Hello, friends, and welcome to a special edition of Speaking Up, a podcast about people standing up for the truth, especially in times of turmoil. I'm uh, very excited to have this conversation. As some of you can tell, it's from the airport today, so I hope you'll bear with me while I'm having this chat. But I've got a friend who's joining us who I know will bear with us because he is in the midst of following one of the most exciting political developments in the country, and that is what has happened in recent primaries this week. So for those who were following, we had primaries in the Carolinas, but especially in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, the place that was the birthplace of American democracy, and as my guest may warn, could be the place where, if things don't go right, that democracy dies. So I'm very thrilled to have on the program today Craig Snyder. Craig is former chief of staff to Pennsylvania Senator Arlen Specter. He is a noted political strategist and thinker. He has affiliation with Renew America Movement as the Pennsylvania state lead. Craig, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Very, very good to have you, Craig. Thanks for uh, doing this while I'm at the airport, but you're on the ground in Pennsylvania in the battleground. So I'm really eager to get your thoughts. Uh, First of all, what are your biggest takeaways from this week? We had some winners and losers in the Pennsylvania primaries, some extremists lost and some extremists won. I mean, what should Americans be thinking about in terms of what the races in Pennsylvania signal about not just the trajectory towards the midterm elections, but the trajectory of the country? Well, it's certainly true, Miles, that there's a a little bit of a mixed bag, but I I think that uh, sort of obscures what should be the headlines, um, which, uh, which which are that you had a a, a, a genuine extremist win uh, the Republican nomination for governor of Pennsylvania, uh, a state senator named Doug Mastriano, um, who identifies himself as a, as a Christian nationalist uh, who has campaigned actively with uh, open QAnon believers. Uh, including attending a rally where uh, immediately before he spoke, there was uh, a person on the podium talking about how 9-11 was a false flag operation. Um, I mean, really sort of what used to be seen as the the, the fringes of the fringe. Um, and this person is now uh, the Republican nominee for governor of Pennsylvania, which gives him, if he were to win, the ability to nominate uh, the secretary of state of Pennsylvania going into the 2024 presidential cycle, uh, uh, you, you clearly could have a situation in which uh, if the results of the Pennsylvania, the real and true results of the Pennsylvania presidential election in 2024 is not to the liking uh, of the governor, uh, that you could have a kind of uh, a kind of uh, denialism uh, that turns into not just words and, and even protests, but turns into uh, an actual action against the Constitution of the United States uh, in a very, very particular uh, and bad way. So, um, you know, it sounds hyperbolic to say uh, the uh, democracy was American democracy was born in Pennsylvania, could die in Pennsylvania. But in some sense, it is not hyperbolic. This is this is something that that thinking people, uh, caring people about uh, the American experiment should really uh, be. Uh, alert to and aware that this possibility looms. And, you know, and then on the other key race, the U.S. Senate race, which could well decide uh, the balance of power in the Senate, 
uh, we had um, uh, the Democratic nominee, uh, John Fetterman, uh, win uh, an overwhelming victory uh, against uh, Congressman Connor Lamb. Um, now, look, I, I don't, Fetterman is not uh, an equal and opposite reaction, so to speak, to Mastriano. Uh, but in his own way, uh, Fetterman is an extremist. Uh, he, he, I think, would be sort of the Senate version of the, of the squad in the House um, and would be, um, uh, you know, somebody who is essentially identifies with socialism, um, and is on the, the left flank of the Democratic Party. So you've got, you, you, this spectrum of what happened in the primary with a kind of far left nominee and a, and a far right nominee, uh, I think is sort of ominous, uh, to, to, uh, uh, the majority of Pennsylvanians and I think Americans who are actually closer to the center. Craig, that, that's really useful insight. I, I, I want to tackle each of those races here and get your thoughts. And starting with that first one you mentioned, the governor's race, just to, you know, level set for people. In most states, the secretary of state who oversees elections and the security of elections uh, is, a, is a position that is competed for. It's, a, it's an elected position. And right. we're seeing across the country a bunch of election deniers running for that office, which is very uh, worrying. And as you know, in Pennsylvania, it's a little bit different. Governor appoints the individual who oversees the election. So this is, in a way, sort of a two-in-one race when it comes to protecting elections. And uh, a very extreme person who's not just on the record, uh, when it comes to, you know, rigging elections, but has actually, you know, affirmatively taken steps to, in a sense, hijack our democracy. It is pretty alarming. I mean, one of our listeners, uh, Joe Myers, writes, as a Democrat in Pennsylvania, this terrifies me. Looking at the governor's race, Craig, how do you think this will shake out in November? What does Mastriano's popular support look like? Clearly, he you know, won the Republican primary, but how viable is he in the general election and, and how worried should listeners like Joe Myers actually be? So, um, look, there's a conventional wisdom that's sort of already formed um, that uh, Mastriano is, is unelectable in the fall, that our uh, sitting attorney general, um, Josh Shapiro, uh, who's a very, very popular politician in the state, uh, has in the last two uh, elections that he ran, he got more votes than than anybody else, including the two presidential candidates in those two years. Um, you know, there's sort of a conventional wisdom that that Mastriano is, is going to uh, get shellacked, um, and and I want to say that I hope that's true, and I do, um, but I don't think it can be taken for granted. Um, you know, we do have uh, real headwinds against the Democratic brand. Uh, in the state at this point, uh, as is the case in many places in the country, uh, the president's approval rating is 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 you know well underwater. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, frustration about economic conditions, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and and just and it really has become a sort of a toxic brand uh, for what I fear could be uh, a majority of Pennsylvanians. Now, will they go? Uh, to the extreme of voting for Mastriano. Um, I don't, I certainly don't know for sure and I hope not, but I, I think some of the dynamics that are at play here are very similar to what we had in the state in 2016, uh, where there were enough, uh, Republicans and independents 
who knew that Donald Trump was an extremist um, and nonetheless held their nose and voted for uh, uh, him uh, because they wanted to send some sort of a message. Um, and, and I think that we, we can't dismiss that possibility and every effort has to be made between now and November to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, and I think a really good comparison, Craig, would be Donald Trump himself. I mean, let's be clear, Doug Mastriano has got a much higher likelihood of winning the governorship in Pennsylvania than Donald Trump ever did of winning the U.S. presidency when it comes to polls. I mean, there, there was a point at which uh, the, the percentage chance of Trump winning the presidency was pegged at, at 9%. Uh, you know, Mastriano, you know, by any measure at this point, certainly has greater than a nine percent chance of winning the governorship. And as a as a candidate is almost the perfect storm candidate you could imagine being concerned about. I mean, as, as you noted, uh, Mastriano is known for his far right beliefs. Uh, he's campaigned at public events promoting QAnon and 9-11 related conspiracy theories was endorsed by Donald Trump, was a proponent of the big lie. In fact, as a state lawmaker, Doug Mastriano tweeted shortly after the 2020 election, quote, there is mounting evidence that the Pennsylvania presidential election was compromised. If this is the case, the state legislature has the sole authority to direct the manner of selecting delegates to the electoral college. Therefore, we are introducing a resolution to exercise our obligation and authority to appoint delegates to the electoral college. I read all of that because... Again, this is not someone who, if he wins, you know, may or may not come down on the side of election integrity. He's very clearly on the record and took actions to try to overturn uh, a free and fair election. So when you say it's not hyperbole uh, to come out and, and say democracy may be on the line in the Pennsylvania governor's race, you're absolutely right, uh, because that's quite literally what is on the line in this uh, race is going to be someone who supports the institutions of our democracy or someone who's actively tried to overturn them in the past. I I wonder what you'd say to listeners like, you know, Joe Myers, who are worried about this, who are Democrats, about what needs to happen in the fall. Um, Do you think that the Democrats are prepared to do the organizing they need to to get out there to prevent a Mastriano from uh, surprising everyone with a victory? Uh, well, it, uh, I got to say, Miles, it remains to be seen. Um, the, uh, the Democratic turnout in the primary uh, was significantly lower uh, in terms of the percentage of, of eligible Democratic voters than it was on the Republican side. Now, you know, I understand that the, the races were a lot more uh, controversial, a lot more heated on the Republican side. So you, you can, you know, you can adjust to a certain extent. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, about 200,000 more Republicans voted in the primary than Democrats, despite the fact that there are half a million more Democrats registered in the state than there are Republicans. So there could be an enthusiasm gap here. Um, uh, I think it's fair to, to, to judge on the evidence that there probably is an enthusiasm gap. Uh, and that has to close and it has to close pretty, pretty quickly. Um, Shapiro is popular uh, and he will run, I think, a, an excellent professional campaign. Uh, but it's going to be a, a, a total, you know, uh, Mars versus Venus kind of campaign. Uh, uh, you know, Shapiro is going to want to talk about uh, policy issues and and he's and he's going to act like a traditional sort of, you know, well-educated politician. Mastriano is going to be putting on a show. 
um, for his uh, supporters. Uh, and it, it, it really remains to be seen as to which of those raises uh, the level of enthusiasm uh, to the uh, to the greater extent. At the same time, we're going to have this U.S. Senate race that's critically important to the country. And uh, John Fetterman has uh, a, a lot of a lot of popularity, a lot of enthusiasm among a certain sector of the Democratic uh, voting base, uh, but not necessarily throughout the voting base. Um, obviously, African-Americans are crucially important to um, a, a Democratic statewide candidate in Pennsylvania. And there has not been uh, African-American enthusiasm for John Fetterman up to this point. In fact, in, in the African-American uh, wards in, in the city of Philadelphia, for example, Fetterman came in third uh, in the in the primary last, last Tuesday. So he's got a lot of work to do, and the Democrats have a lot of work to do to make sure that their voters uh, come out. Um, and then, of course, there's the question of what happens to the independents. So about 15 percent of Pennsylvania's uh, registered voters are registered uh, independent. They couldn't vote in either of these primaries. Um, and, uh, you know, how will they break? Um, again, you can make an argument uh, uh, that they'll that they'll break uh, towards uh, the Democrats because of of how extreme Mastriano is. Uh, but we just don't we just don't know. And, and I think. There's a lot of organizing that has to go on both within the Democratic base, uh, but also to reach out to the independent voters. Well, you know, we've we've already talked about how, depending on the direction of the Pennsylvania governor's race, it could have very real impacts in 2024. So, you know, if Doug Mastriano is the governor, I think folks will be really worried about how he will influence in his selection uh, to oversee elections will influence the turnout in 2024 and and whether the election is certified. There's scary questions there. But even more immediately than that, uh, Pennsylvania will help determine the balance of power in the U.S. Congress, especially with that Senate race, especially uh, with a John Fetterman and whoever ends up ultimately being his Republican rival. Now, for our listeners... Uh, In full disclosure, Craig, you were a Senate candidate in that race, and you had a very interesting thesis. You entered the race for Senate in Pennsylvania, hoping to, you know, have someone who was in that centrist lane. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in the Pennsylvania Senate race, how you ended up seeing it shake out uh, with regard to centrists or lack thereof? And uh, and, and what do you end up uh, projecting on the Republican side? Well, um, uh, sure. Uh, happy to do that. Um, I joined the Pennsylvania uh, Republican Senate primary uh, in July of last year. And uh, the, uh, the tagline of our campaign was never Trumpism, never socialism, common sense. Uh, the, the point I was trying to make was that I believe there is a, a center right majority uh, in the state. Um, and I was hoping that there would be enough uh, uh, voters who, uh, you know, were in, inclined in that way uh, in the Republican electorate uh, in a divided field uh, to be able to uh, make a showing of it. Uh, I was under no illusions uh, in terms of the majority of likely Republican primary voters uh, being strong Trump supporters and, and really, you know, really angry and vitriolic toward anybody who ever called themselves a never Trumper. I knew that that was the majority of the electorate. The question was, 
was there a, a, a significant enough sliver of the electorate, given that uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, you don't have to get over 50, you don't even have to get over 30. Uh, the winner is the winner uh, in, in, in a plurality kind of decision. And we had a crowded field. Um, you know, it was sort of the thesis of, of, of the campaign that it was worth uh, testing that. Um, I, I like to say it was a sort of flourish of hope over reason. Um, and I ended up uh, withdrawing as of uh, October uh, because of the just sort of just practical realization uh, of the enormous extent to which the current system favors uh, the extremes uh, in both parties, but certainly in the in the Republican Party. Uh, and I think this uh, this election, the way it's it's it, it turned out uh, this past week. Uh, just uh, reinforced my worst fears in, in, in that regard. So the Senate race is undecided at this point. It's a, a whisker separating uh, Dr. Oz and David McCormick, Oz having been the Trump uh, endorsed candidate. Uh, I think it's pretty clear what happened here uh, is, is that uh, Trump endorsed uh, somebody uh, in Dr. Oz who had a, a you know a long record of taking positions on issues that were not on the sort of MAGA side of things, uh, and so a lot of his voters were a lot of Trump's voters were uh, inclined to go with the endorsement, but not all. Uh, and it seems that what happened was that those who who were looking for sort of MAGA authenticity. Um, and uh, and not willing to just follow Trump's uh, you know uh, kind of uh, leadership in this regard uh, went to uh, Kathy Barnett, uh, who, uh, who Steve Bannon described just this past week as an ultra MAGA candidate. Uh, that allowed uh, Dave McCormick uh, to come within a whisker, and I think when all the ballots are finally counted, uh, my prediction when all the ballots are finally counted is that McCormick will. Uh, sneak by. I mean, it'll be an incredibly thin margin, a tenth of a percent or something. But I think he will uh, probably sneak by and win because the, the 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 hardcore MAGA field divided between Oz and Barnett. But but I, I want to make it clear for our listeners, this is not a uh, this is not a victory of some sort of moderation. Um, Dave McCormick ran this campaign as a MAGA candidate. He ran it as a Trump uh, wannabe. Uh, he solicited Trump's endorsement vigorously. The very last spots he had on the air up to and including Election Day were showing him in the Oval Office with Donald Trump trying to wrap himself in that in that flag. Um, and, and, and so, you know, you're dealing with slight gradations, perhaps, perhaps remains to be seen, slight gradations in how much uh, uh, these candidates would would be different from one another in office. Uh, but McCormick did everything he could to remake himself in the image of Donald Trump. And I think that gives every reason to be concerned that if we end up on January 5th, January 6th of 2024 uh, in a contested presidential election, that Dave McCormick would be one of those people who might well vote against certifying Pennsylvania's results uh, if or, or uh, certifying false results that have been promoted by a Governor Mastriano. So, uh, the 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 difference between McCormick and Oz on this score, I don't think is 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 worth a damn. Uh, that's extremely sobering to hear, Craig. And, and I've got to I've got to echo that by saying, you know, the people that David McCormick picked to surround himself with were were Trumpers, were total Trumpers. It was people like hardline 
you know, anti-immigrant advisor to Donald Trump, Stephen Miller, and other folks who advised his campaign. And it's been interesting to watch them try to have it both ways. They've tried to say, you know, we are MAGA, but also give a wink and a nod to moderate Republicans and say, don't worry, don't worry. David McCormick is, uh, he was a Bushy, you know, he, he came up in politics in the Bush era and he'll be, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be moderate. But I think what we've seen time and time again with these folks is when they've had to cater to the far right, when they've had to cater to the Trumpists, that's ultimately where they end up. That's ultimately where they land. So I, I, I would agree with you. I, I think we should be under no illusions that a David McCormick would govern as a moderate. And, and similarly with a Dr. Oz. I mean, he recast himself as uh, as Trumpy as you could get. And, you know, those guys aren't going to change their images anytime soon, uh, even if they get elected. Um, I, I wonder, though, uh, there's a lot of things to be worried about when we looked at what happened in Pennsylvania. Was there anything that happened in the primaries this week that gives you a sliver of hope about the direction these elections are headed in the uh, midterms? So, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going uh, I'm gonna to reach deep here uh, because um, I, I, I honestly think the only thing to be hopeful about is that the news is so bad. It causes uh, it causes us to really have reached a kind of rock bottom. Um, you know, maybe seeing rock bottom causes uh, the, the voters of Pennsylvania and, and, and the people of the United States to sort of stop digging the hole. Um, I mean, we've, we, we have uh, a, a system in the state of closed primaries. Uh, so only registered voters in, in each party can vote. Uh, all of those independent voters are you know, not involved in the nomination process at all. Uh, then on top of that, we have this system of, of you know, the, 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 the plurality winner uh, is the winner. You don't have to get to 50%. You don't even have to get to 30%. Uh, these conditions, these structural conditions, favor extremists. Um, and uh, normal folks, politically normal folks, uh, what I believe is the, is, is the, is the centrist whispering majority, uh, just don't get fired up to turn out in primaries. Um, and then they get stuck with what they think are unacceptable choices in the general, which is why we've seen these wild swings between uh, strong Republican waves and strong Democratic waves because the, the, the voters in the middle are, are feel unrepresented by both sides and they feel the need to, to keep changing horses uh, because they just don't like what they get which, with either brand. Um, I'm hoping uh, that seeing how bad it really can be uh, will cause people to be more engaged and more uh, uh, willing to look at the possibility of really structural change. Just simply saying this system is broken and it needs to get fixed. Um, so it's a, I guess it's a sort of a, a, a longer range hope uh, and one born out of the worries. Uh, but I think it's the, I think it's the best we got at the moment. Is, is there any uh, cinematic moment that we could expect here? Some kind of independent third party candidate to swoop in in any of these races to save us? Well, there's, there's, I think there's, there's some chatter, you know, behind the scenes and in, in the, in the sort of, you know, political classes in the state, uh, that, that there might be a, an independent candidacy, uh, in the gubernatorial race, uh, someone who would, uh, who would run knowing they weren't going to win, uh, but that they, uh, uh could, 
at least theoretically be positioned to prevent Mastriano from really having a chance to win. Uh, there's talk of it, uh, but whether that will materialize, uh, I'm not sure. It's a lot to ask of, of an individual uh, to, to, uh, to put his or her reputation and, and, and experience and time and energy into such an effort. Um, and, uh, and it depends on whether or not there, there would be sufficient support to make that effort credible. Um, it would, you know, it would not be viable in the sense of a person who could win the race, but it needs to be credible in the sense of a, a, a campaign that could actually make the difference, the pivotal difference that it was intended to make. And that, like everything else in life, depends on resources. So I think, uh, there are people who are chattering about it and considering it perhaps, uh, but they're going to need to see whether or not uh, uh, there's a community both in the state and around the country uh, who would support such an effort. Craig, you've served uh, in the highest levels of government. You were chief of staff to Pennsylvania, Senator Arlen Specter in the U.S. Senate. You've seen what this looks like uh, and have been involved in those conversations deep within the heart of the Republican Party uh, talk to us a little bit about where you think the party stands at the moment. Clearly, Pennsylvania is a barometer for things uh, going the wrong direction. Uh, whether it's in the state or nationally, you know, what's your what's your report card say about uh, whether the GOP has reformed post-Trump? And in your forecast, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly about where the GOP goes in the coming years? So, you know, I was uh, I was probably one of the earliest public uh, never never Trumpers in in the spring of sixteen. I, I started a, a super PAC to support Hillary Clinton, uh, and I've that's been my lane, you know, ever since. Um, I have hoped and worked uh, to see a, a reformation, a restoration uh, of the Republican Party that that I grew up being proud of under uh, under Reagan and the Bushes. Uh, and it, it, it's, um, uh, this week that, you know, that goal became, uh, even less likely and further away. And, and I will say, uh, that at this point, uh, a reasonable person has to ask themselves, is it, uh, is it something that's on the horizon really possible or is it a mirage? And the closer you get to it, uh, the fur- the closer you think you're getting to it, the further away it actually becomes, um, Everything about uh, these results uh, in Pennsylvania this week, uh, you know, lead lead me to believe that the Republican Party, as it's currently constituted and certainly under the rules in which it operates uh, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, is uh, is pretty well uh, irredeemable. Uh, There are certainly some good candidates. Um, I have personal friends who are running for Congress in the state legislature. They're good people. They're caring people. They're right-minded people. They have integrity. Uh, but the overall trend is, is towards uh, something that's, you know, that's frankly unrecognizable and despicable and is personified by the candidacy of Mastriano. Uh, so I, I, uh, I, I would like to be, I'm temperamentally an optimistic person, um, but, you know, Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And at this point, I think it's, it's, it's pretty much insane to expect a different result from the GOP uh, in Pennsylvania and, and perhaps nationally as, as well. I think that uh, center right folks, people who believe in a principled conservatism, 
are going to have to look elsewhere uh, and have to create something uh, to be able to uh, uh, to get representation for their viewpoints. This is a very difficult political environment, just in general. And I wonder if you can comment on that a little bit, Craig. When we try to think about who can enter this space as a reformer, what types of people we can go or need to try to recruit to run as moderate Republicans or or run as centrist Democrats and oppose the far, far left, um, it's really difficult to convince those people to stop doing what they're doing and enter the political fray because it's about the most contentious it's ever been. And people who don't like you can just reach out and touch you on social media and hunt you down and, you know, dox you and release your information. It can be a pretty brutal um, environment. What's your take on that? Is it harder than it's ever been to get good people into the game? And, um, you know, if you were trying to convince the next person that's a rational Republican like yourself to enter something like a statewide race for public office or a federal race, what would you tell them? How would you convince them? Well, uh, they have to be, uh, they have to be thick skinned for sure. For all the reasons that you've described, um, they, they have to, uh, uh, contemplate in advance the very, very worst things that anyone could say about them. Um, and be willing to, to stand those things, whether those things uh, have any germ of truth in them or not, or they, or, or full, you know, full on fabrications. Uh, so it, it's, it, it, everything you describe about the, the sort of personal costs uh, of, of even making the effort uh, is, is quite, is quite true. Um, I think that we've also come to a point where, if you don't have personal means, if, if you if you don't have significant financial resources that you can put in on your own to at least seed the effort, uh, that that's also a kind of you know potentially insurmountable hurdle, uh, because it's there's a, a, a there are a lot of folks out out, out there who will uh, say that they support the cause that, and that you're heroic for uh, undertaking the cause, but they're not writing a check until they see a whole bunch of other people write a check, and that's a that's a classic catch 22. You just can't get there. So, um, so I think there's, there's a, there are a number of barriers to entry that are, that are quite high. Having said that, uh, the greatest thing about the American experiment in, in my opinion is the uh, ability to self-correct. It's, we have a, a history of recognizing when the country is headed in the wrong direction or, or has been going in the wrong direction uh, and correcting it all the way up to and including, you know, a, a horrible, horrible civil war uh, that was the only way to wring the evil of slavery out of, out of our country. Uh, so we, 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 we have a history uh, to stand on the shoulders of others who have made uh, these kinds of really significant uh, course changes for the country. Um, and, and I don't, I, I believe that the next generation is every bit as honorable and noble and, and, and public spirited as any generation that came before, maybe in some respects more so. Um, and so I'm hoping that leaders will rise, uh, to, to take on the challenges that you pose, but there's no question that these, that these challenges are, uh, I think the greatest they've, they've ever been, you know, when I, when I was Spectre's chief of staff all the way back in the nineties. We thought things were bad. We, we had gone through an impeachment process with, uh, with Bill Clinton. Um, you know, you had, the, you had the, the sort of early days of the 24-hour news cycle, but still before the Internet uh, really took off. 
Um, we thought things were bad then. The polarization was great then. We had no idea. We had no idea what was coming. There was there used to be a, a Wednesday lunch group that met in the Senate of moderate senators, and it had 40 members, 20 Democrats and 20 Republicans. And in that room, there were some Republicans who were to the left of some of the Democrats and some Democrats that were to the right of some of the Republicans. Now you can't get anybody in a room together and every Republican is to the right of every Democrat. Um, and it is, um, uh, it is a much more challenging environment. Well, Craig, I, th- I think that's a powerful note to end it on. And I'll just say that uh, for our listeners, you know, you're the type of person that really is shown by example what it would mean to lead and get in a race, but also to bring coalitions together and, you know, unite disaffected conservatives with patriotic Democrats uh, to try to get good people into office. So really grateful that you continue to stay in this struggle for the soul of our political system. And uh, I hope we continue to see you at the forefront on the front lines there uh, in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Miles. Thank you very much. And right back at you. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, please uh, encourage folks to, to follow Craig Snyder and, and his efforts on political reform. Grateful to have him join us to recap the week in Pennsylvania and what it means for the 2022 midterms and the future of our country. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you back here on Speaking Up next week. Talk to everyone soon.